Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I really and truly appreciate it. And for those of you who are new tuning into the first time of Senior Care Live, the mission here on the program is to provide information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And we discuss many important subjects, but today is one that's near and dear to my heart. And I, so you you're going to need to stay tuned. You're going to want to stay tuned. I'm going to introduce a special guest to you here in just a second. Uh, and again, this is a special edition. But if you need help with placement services from my firm, Senior Care Consulting, or if you want to learn more about the services and information provided by one of our very knowledgeable guests, you can reach us on our toll-free number at any time, literally 24 hours a day. Here it is, and write it down, 1-800-331-6445. Again, one 800 Three three one six four four five. You can also visit online at Senior Care Live L I V E Senior Care Live dot com. And as I mentioned, this is a very special edition of Senior Care Live. The entire program today will be focused on the issue of elder abuse. And this is one that gets me really fired up. Whenever I hear any of these stories or read about uh, some of these issues, uh, my blood pressure starts to increase, and I just feel like I need to do something about it. And uh, and so we are going to do something about it today. We are going to define elder abuse. We'll discuss various forms of elder abuse, how do you identify elder abuse, and then what do you do about it? How do you report elder abuse? And with that introduction, let me introduce to you uh, our special guest today, Mr. Tom Gottschalk. He's an investigator with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. And Tom, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so let's jump right into this. Uh, and, and I've been talking for a long time. You know, we're really going to break down elder abuse and, and talk about it. Uh, so let's start off with 101. What is elder abuse? Let's just define that today. Well, elder abuse from a statutory standpoint is putting a senior or an elderly person at a disadvantage either physically or financially. And it's very broad. But then um, then we can branch out into the different types of elder abuse. Okay. And they are? Well, basically, it's typically thought of in three different aspects. Uh, the most dangerous, obviously, is physical abuse, where mm-hmm. an elderly person is being beaten or physically abused. Uh, the next area that we'd want to talk about in elder abuse would be neglect, where the senior's needs are not being met through withholding of care. And and that's an interesting topic in and of itself because withholding of care can be done for 
any number of different reasons. And then finally, uh, what we see mostly in Johnson County is financial exploitation of elderly uh, elderly citizens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's referred to as fiduciary abuse or just what most people think of in terms of taking advantage of an older person. Okay. All right. And as you're going through all this, it just literally it makes my stomach turn. This is just a major, major hot button. And, and frankly, I see lots of examples of all, not all three of them. I usually don't see uh, physical abuse, uh, but I know it's done. But I, I see lots and lots of, of, of examples of what could be considered or maybe just dancing right up to that line of the fiduciary, the financial elder abuse, uh, and maybe some uh, situations of neglect where I've, I've had to weigh in and, and, bring in resources to, to try to turn these things around. But let's, uh, let's identify elder abuse and, uh, and some of the physical abuse, uh, a- a- attributes, if you will. Well, physical abuse on older adults, it can be very difficult to identify, mainly because many older adults have physical issues to begin with. And so, an apparent incapacitation, you know, by an untrained observer may appear to be Abuse, but it may be part of their physical condition, just mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah. Uh, so we have a hard time telling people how to identify physical abuse. A lot of people that are involved, closely involved with older adults that are victims of physical abuse, it's very clear to them. Yeah. Because they see the person over time, they see the progression of any injuries or ailments, and so it tends to be more easily identified by people familiar with the adult. Okay. Um, in terms of instructing third parties how to do that, and we actually do that quite a bit, we talk with bankers, law enforcement agencies, home health agencies, and we talk about the attributes physical abuse. Typically, we talk about bruising, uh, where bruising would typically on an older adult be common on their arms, legs, their extremities. As they're moving around the house, they they can bump themselves. Mm -hmm. And older adults, well, as you age, you bruise more easily. Yep. And this can be compounded by medications that they're on that would allow their bodies to bruise more easily. And so we focus on bruising in areas where an older adult typically would not be injured. Mm -hmm. Uh, And here we think of the head neck, torso, back, back, back. Of, back of their legs, mm-hmm. back of their arms. Yep. Uh, we also look for other types of physical injuries, burns that are unexpected, scalds. Uh, obviously, uh, cigarette burns would be out of the ordinary, but s- some of the things that I've run across that are unusual is that I've, I've just spoken with older adults that had lash marks on their wrists and ankles, and that's from being... Tied down. Oh my gosh. Um, and older adults with dementia, a lot of them can be, uh, wanderers where mm-hmm. they want to walk around. They want to be mobile. They're restless. And that's, that can be a very difficult caregiving task. And some of the less trained and less sensitive caregivers may actually tie up their wards. That is beyond horrible. Um, and, and I, I met someone and they said, and I said, well, what are you going to do about dads wandering while you're gone every day for nine hours? Oh, we just lock up the house. 
And I'm like, uh, no, bad idea. You need to stop that immediately because what happens if, in case of emergency? He can't get out of the house. And if there's a fire, now you've got a big time problem. So you cannot do that. Oh, I didn't realize. I said, you have to stop that right now. And they did, but, but they, they didn't know any better. Um, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and, and a lot of times things like that aren't intentional abuse. So it should cause them to reflect on their caregiving decisions, yeah. whether they should try to care for that adult themselves or whether they should try to bring in help. Okay. And then, uh, so attributes of neglect, which is kind of that second category. Ooh, neglect. Um, well, that's the one where I talked about where there can be differing motives for neglect. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we see neglect in conjunction with financial exploitation, which I'm sure we'll talk about in, to a greater extent. Yes. Uh, when it's in conjunction with financial exploitation, it's because care decisions or care cost money. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes focus and attention on that, on that adult. So if you're exploiting an adult, your motive is most likely not their well-being. It's most likely going to be extract as much money as you possibly can out of that individual. And so. And, and like you said, withhold care. So a good example is, um, Dementia drugs tend to be very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you maximize your take of exploiting those victims? You don't buy their dementia drugs. And that can apply to any number of necessary items for the adult. So one of the aspects of withholding care is just not buying things that they need. And, and in conjunction with financial exploitation, that's, that's often the case or with financial exploitation, that's often the case because uh, care costs money. And, and so you see people who are, who are withholding care, withholding medications because the bottom line is there's a financial impact. So I'm, I, there's more money for me to use throughout the month uh, versus spend it on, on this elderly person. Or I am, uh, one thing that I see that which is really subtle and sometimes not so subtle is I am preserving my inheritance. I'm not going to spend any more than I have to to maximize my inheritance. That's very, that's a very good point because a lot of our financial exploitation victims suffer at the hands of relatives. And so again, it's not necessarily malice that's involved with uh, neglecting the elderly adult, but mostly trying to maximize the amount of money that you can get from them. Okay, and so that's uh, in the uh, in the area of neglect. And I I received a call. This was from uh, a state official on the Missouri side of the state line, uh, where the the bottom line is you had two elderly people, uh, husband and wife, in the in the home. She couldn't really properly take care of her husband uh, a a healthcare worker came to see him and immediately reported that and uh and, and so the state stepped in and called the granddaughter who was the power of attorney she lived out of state you have to find a nursing home for your grandpa immediately or we will find one for you because she just wasn't able to provide his care that's another example of neglect so tom right after the break uh let's get into the third part of elder abuse which is the financial exploitation part of that in some of the attributes. Uh, But first, let's not forget our Senior Care Live question of the week. Which of the following is required to report elder abuse in the state of Kansas? And so it's A, any person licensed to practice any branch of the healing arts, 
B. Officers of a financial institution. C. Holder of a power of attorney. D. Owner-operator of a senior care community. Or E. All of the above. The answer right after the break. Don't go away. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, call our toll-free number at any time. That's 1-800-331-6445. Again, 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, you can stream the program to any electronic device. It's super easy. Go to SeniorCareLive.com. Click on the giant microphone button or the Listen Live button, and you can uh, give it a few seconds to connect, and boom, you are in. It'll stream straight to your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you have. It really is that simple. All right. This is a very special edition of Senior Care Live. We are completely focused on elder abuse this week. And before we move on, let's get back and answer that Senior Care Live question of the week, and it is related. So which of the following is required to report elder abuse in the state of Kansas? So the uh, options are A, any person licensed to practice any branch of the healing arts, B, officers of a financial institution, C, holder of power of attorney, D, owner-operator of a senior care community, or E, all of the above. And the answer is E, all of the above. There is a long list of mandatory reporters uh, on the on the website, and uh, they're mandated and required to report elder abuse. And frankly, failure to report elder abuse uh, could result in uh, issuing a Class B misdemeanor. This is a really big deal, Tom. And you mentioned off air. Uh, there's an immunity aspect to this reporting. I'm not sure about Missouri, but I, I, I think there is immunity in Missouri. But, but on in, the Kansas side? But yeah. on the Kansas side, there certainly is immunity from civil litigation for people that report elder abuse in good faith. So you report it in good faith. It's part of your oath. Uh, you know, when, and this is a long list. Police officers, teachers, uh, elder care workers. So, you know, nurses, uh, social workers, hospice workers, home health agency workers, people coming into contact with elders. They see an abusive situation in any of these three categories. It's a mandatory hotline to the state. That's right. And the immunity doesn't just apply to uh, health care workers, police officers, and other mandatory reporters. The immunity provision applies to anyone that reports elder abuse in good faith. Okay. And you're reporting it in good faith so that the the hesitation might be, oh, I don't want to get sued by the family, or, oh, I don't want any retaliatory type of uh, maybe a nuisance lawsuit. I mean, who wants to go through any of that? So this immunity uh, aspect, I think that's huge, and I didn't realize that was in place. So, I mean, that's a, I think that's a really big deal. And I'm glad that uh, criminals don't read the law that well, because most <laughs> yeah. of them have threatened 
yeah. financial institutions or other people right. that have reported there. We'll all sue you. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, well, good luck with that. That's right. So, all right. And so we're identifying elder abuse and some of the attributes. We talked about physical uh, abuse attributes and neglect attributes. And I think you wanted to mention a couple of more uh, attributes on neglect uh, before we move on to financial. Well, something that, that we run into is there'll be basically unqualified caregivers for an older adult. Mm -hmm. They'll bring somebody into their home that doesn't know how to provide care, and they suffer from neglect simply because lack of knowledge. And that's not necessarily a criminal justice problem, but it's something that we want to resolve. And then another widespread problem that we have, especially with an aging population, is, is most older adults want to stay at home. And they'll sacrifice a great deal in order to do that. And one of those sacrifices that we often see is that they're unable to care for themselves. And so we see a, a fair amount of self-neglect. And that's it's important to report that as well because the Adult Protective Services of Kansas or Missouri uh, can step in, assess the safety and health situation of that adult, and make recommendations a lot of times they're going to try to bring in home services to help that adult at home, and they'll do about everything they can to leave that adult in their own home, one, to comply with their wishes, and two, the just sheer expense of institutionalizing an older adult. It, yeah. It's very high cost, and I think most of the state services would like to avoid that. Absolutely. So try to try to keep a person independent in their own home. Uh, and, and if that doesn't work, I mean, the next step is then to find a, uh, a healthcare institution, long-term care. Uh, uh, and, and that's expensive as well. And then you're talking about qualifying for Medicaid. So there's a lot to it. But, uh, so, all right. So that, that covers the attributes of neglect. Uh, we're talking with our special guest today, Mr. Tom Gottschalk, investigator with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. The theme today is all about elder abuse and let's move on to really the big one this is the one that i see the most and it sounds like you see the most as well financial exploitation let's talk about some of the attributes of that well a lot of the financial exploitation cases come to our attention through third-party reporters people that should be reporting what's going on um i would ask you to guess who the most common reporting party is and who you think that would be the individual who's being abused Ooh. No, you, you alluded to people having their uh, their parents' estate dissipated or yep. relatives' estate dissipated, yep. and a lot of reporters are people that see family members mm-hmm. taking advantage of an older adult that has an estate, mm-hmm. and they see it as cutting into their take. Okay, and so a, a pretty yep. good chunk of our reporters are family members. Okay, uh, and that's perhaps not entirely fair because some of them are. I mean, I'd say the majority of them are generally concerned about the relative, not about the money. And so they see family members exploiting, and, and they, they want to put a stop to it. And so, okay, so I saw this so about a month ago. I'm working with a very, very nice man. Uh, he's the son of the man who needed uh, a care community, so we found assisted living where he could age in place and then transition to the uh, to the long-term care, uh, all commonly known as the nursing home part, uh, and not have to move. So he was really wanting to do it right, and Senior Care Consulting, we helped him get it right. But uh, he described... Uh, Kind of chilling, actually. He described, he, he said, I have several siblings, and he said, it, it is disgusting. They are circling like vultures. 
they see the money, they smell the money, they want the money, and they can't have the money. I am doing what's right for my dad. It's his money. It's not our money. And so I'm going to get him the care that he needs, the care that he deserves. So thank goodness there was one responsible uh, son in this mix of what he described as, quote, unquote, circling vultures. It, it, it's horrifying to me, but this is fairly common. It is, and there'll be family members that don't have contact with an older adult for years, sometimes decades. Yeah. And once they learn that, um, there may, that the older adult is in poor health or may be looking at, at problems, that they become involved. Um, they all of a sudden they show up out of uh, nowhere. No, decades but, of absence. Uh, my parents used to say out of the woodwork. Right. That's right. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's not uncommon, but I don't want to downplay the genuine concern of siblings like the guy that you just cited, yeah. who has, um, you know, their parents or their family members' best interests at heart. Which I mean, we see that, and if we didn't have good family members like that, our job would be much more difficult. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Today, the theme of today, it's all about elder abuse, uh, elder abuse, uh, how to define it. Uh, we, uh, we talked about the various forms. We've broken this down into the, into the three areas, at least that Kansas breaks it down. So physical abuse, neglect, and then financial exploitation. And so in the next segment, we're going to talk about who commits elder abuse. I think this is going to surprise you. We're going to discuss uh, later on in the program how to report elder abuse and some other really, really helpful information. Don't go away. We will return in just three minutes. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, call our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. Again, 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you miss an episode of Senior Care Live, or maybe you want to share the program with others, I have a feeling this program will be shared hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of times. Or maybe you just want to listen again. No issues at all just go to seniorcarelive.com click on the podcast tab give us a couple of days to get the podcast uh, up and posted and there you will find all of the previously aired episodes give us to monday or tuesday we'll have this one up on the uh, on the uh, podcast tab as well it really is that simple so today is a very special episode of senior care live it's all about elder abuse and we're going to we're breaking this down and this next section is going to be very very uh, uh, interesting we're going to talk about who commits elder abuse and then how do you report it and what do you look for. Uh, we're visiting with special guest today in studio, Mr. Tom Gottschalk. He's an investigator with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. And Tom, again, thanks so much for taking uh, time out of your day. I know you are super busy, so really, really appreciate you spending time here today uh, educating uh, our listeners. Well, that's part of our job, and so I appreciate the opportunity to speak here. 
And uh, some of the topics that you've asked to address are, are really very timely and very important for us to discuss. And in terms of who commits elder abuse, um, I'm going to speak mostly financial exploitation okay. because physical abuse and neglect can, can come from many, many sources. But a very common denominator of people that exploit elderly adults, um, we use a tool called the fraud triangle. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a way to assess what's going on in a given in a given case. And a fraud triangle is one point. It, it begins with financial distress. Is the person that you're evaluating, do they have some type of financial impairment, some type of financial problem? Uh, for example, a lot of our people that we've convicted for elderly financial exploitation had some existing problem before they started exploiting that adult. Uh, it can be from a variety of reasons. Off air, we spoke briefly about a case where a dependent adult, uh, the father was the caregiver. Um, he he passed away. He set up a trust, and he didn't know which family member to trust, and he ended up putting his nephew as the trustee of this substantial trust. Well, it turns out that nephew was a meth head. Oh, um, and so oh, that's that's the person you do not want anywhere near your finances. Well, drug pl- drug problems are one cause of financial distress. Yeah. Another common one, uh, especially here in, in Kansas City, is people with gambling problems. Oh, the, uh, that they addiction. May, yeah, they may have a, a steady source of income, but they may have gotten themselves so deep mm-hmm. through gambling and gambling debt that they they're financially distressed. Uh, the two other things that I can think of that put par- people kind of behind the eight ball financially are unanticipated medical emergencies mm-hmm. that cost a tremendous amount of money despite having medical coverage. Mm-hmm. And then finally, another one is loss of employment. Yeah. Um, about eight, nine years ago, we had a large job loss nationally that people that had elderly parents, middle-aged people, that were in management or in manufacturing lost their jobs, well, they still have mortgages, probably college tuition to pay, and uh, their income fell off the cliff, but not their not their expenses. And so I think that led to a lot of cases of financial exploitation simply because they're desperate. And there's your financial distress. There's financial okay. distress. The second uh, corner of the fraud triangle is opportunity, and opportunity in a Financial exploitation scenario is that an older adult asks someone that has financial distress to help them with their finances. Oh. And so what you run into is the person that has problems is suddenly given an opportunity to resolve those problems. Does that having an opportunity in financial distress does not make someone a criminal? What makes them a criminal is when they act on that. And most people are only able to act on it when they're able to fulfill the third corner of the fraud triangle, which is rationalization. They have to be able to convince themselves that it's okay to steal money from an older adult. Uh, and yeah, my blood pre- Mark, I need blood pressure medication. You, <laughs> you can almost guess what those rationalizations would be, especially someone yeah. in, in your position. Um, typically what we see is that, I, I was going to get the money anyway. Well, you know, the older adult, they haven't passed away. They don't, they don't have an estate. You're stealing money from them. Yeah. Um, another I, common uh, rationalization that we hear is that 
hey, I'm the only person that pays attention. I'm the only per- person providing care. You know, I should get so, the money. I deserve this. I deserve this. Yeah. And, and they think that they're only circumventing the older adult's wishes with respect to distributing their estate, when in fact, most of the time, they're jeopardizing their ongoing ability to pay for their own care. And so none of those rationalizations work with us. But the fraud triangles, when I speak with older adults, I often ask them, before you entrust someone to uh, handle your finances, you may want to make sure that they are not in financial trouble and that this is not creating an opportunity for them to get out of out of problems. Well, on this rationalization point, this just in, uh, it's not your – Mark, can I scream? I'll, I'll probably blow up the radios here. It is not your money. <laughs> it's not your money. And so keep your hands off of it. Do the right thing and help your parents. I, I, I just I go crazy when I hear some of these stories. Well, you know, our parents saved all their lives so that they could live independently. And um, a lot of times they are where the money's at. They do have sizable financial assets that are exploitable. Um, it's just that it's wrong to do it. And a lot of times you put their health and well-being at risk if you steal all their money. I don't know most people, if most people understand, people that have been financially exploited have a much higher mortality rate. Probably, I've read around 30% higher mortality rate than other people that have not been exploited. So who commits the elder abuse, if you had to break it down into some groups? I, I would hope that I that our caseload in the DA's office is representative, but... Probably about two-thirds of people that financially exploit elderly adults are family members. That does not surprise me. I, I see about I see it all the time. I hear about it all the time. It's your inner circle. It's the people, the vulnerable elderly person who is trusting someone. Well, who do you trust? Well, the first layer would be your immediate family members, your your children, uh, your your sisters, your brothers, your your siblings, um, and so and then, like you said, you have the perfect storm of the fraud triangle. You know the the financial distress, the opportunity, and then you rationalize that, and then all of a sudden, boom! You've you've got a major problem on your hands. So, family, that does not surprise me that two thirds would be that inner circle, that that family. Well, I'm using the term like fancy term like fraud triangle when most people have common sense and they understand that you don't trust money to people that have financial problems. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and most people get that, especially older adults that have been around the block a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to overcome the, the want to trust your family, uh, your kids, your nephews, your nieces. You, you your, only see the best in them. That's right. And so you <laughs> yeah. may not be aware that they're financially distressed. Uh, but family members probably make up two-thirds. The balance tends to be um, caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, family members tend to be a high proportion, one, because they know what that elderly person has in financial assets. Mm-hmm. They know that they have a nice house. They know that they have an investment account. Yep. Uh, caregivers are probably the next most frequent uh, because they may not know the financial uh, means of their of their ward, mm-hmm. but it's easy to find out. Credit card statements or bank statements yep. left out, investment account statements left out. Um, when someone's in your house a lot, 
Um, they're going to have access. They're going to have access, and you're not always going to be alert and around. That's right. To catch what's going on, they're going to be able to see quite a bit. Whether they're not necessarily looking for it, but they have a lot of involvement in your life and see a lot. And then the third category, so you have family making up the majority of who commits elder abuse. Number two, caregivers, and then opportunists, um, just someone coming to your home, maybe working on your home or something like that, just an opportunist sees an opportunity and and jumps on it. Uh, uh, ma'am, your, your your roof is in bad shape, and we can fix it. We just need $1,000 to get our materials, and we'll, we'll bill you later for the balance. That, that would be an opportunistic uh, opportunity. That could be um, a good example is a – case i had where the neighbors took an elderly ah. woman to the bank oh boy to help her get to her safe deposit box oh and, my gosh and she asked them to accompany her into the booth and it turned out she had 1.4 million dollars in oh. savings bonds <laughs> oh my that gosh. they saw and holy cow over the next six months they depleted that entire 1.4 million dollar portfolio oh my gosh so I guess the message is, you know, if, if you're, if you suspect this, you need to have, you need to either have or get the capability of monitoring all financial transactions of your loved one, bank accounts, credit cards, uh, and, and we can maybe, uh, uh, Tom, all of a sudden, I, I can't believe it, we're three-fourths the way through the program, maybe in the next segment, let's talk about, you know, how do you get the capability, the legal opportunity to monitor your loved one's transactions? Transactions. If you suspect elder financial abuse, today we're talking with Mr. Tom Gottschalk, investigator with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. It's all about elder abuse, and in the final segment, we're going to let you know how to report elder abuse. So stay tuned. Hang on, we'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, you can call our toll-free number literally anytime, 24 hours a day. A real person will answer the phone. No answering services here. We, we're old school here on Senior Care Live. Uh, 1-800-331-6445. Again, 1-800-331-6445. Today, it's a special episode of Senior Care Live. It's all about elder abuse, and we're coming down the home stretch. Uh, we're talking with special guest Tom Gottschalk. He's an investigator with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. And uh, Tom, so we've kind of built up to this point. So it, we know about elder abuse. We suspect elder abuse, or we ju- we just flat out see it. Uh, how do we report elder abuse? What's the best way to do that? There's there's a couple really good avenues to do that. One is to contact. Uh, most states have what's called an adult protective service. It's and it's, there's a kind of a hotline number. There's a hotline number. It's a social services agency. Uh, the reason I like working with the Adult Protective Service is because they look at things that I'm not trained to see. Yep. For example, when they go into a home, I'm always looking for attributes of physical abuse, uh, financial exploitation. They tend to evaluate the care and safety in the home. Mm-hmm. 
uh, what home services can be brought to bear to help uh, remedy any problems. Okay. So they have a much broader perspective. And then we also work with the Kansas Adult Protective Service to train them to of what aspects of criminal or criminal aspects of exploitation, neglect, or abuse that they should refer to law enforcement okay. for investigation. All right, so let's roll out these phone numbers. So on the Kansas side of the state line, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but you've given me kind of a new, a more of an updated number than I've released in the past. So one eight. this is in Kansas, to, re, to report elder abuse, 1-800-922-5330. Is that right, Tom? That's correct. Okay, one 800 922 Five three three zero. That's on the Kansas side, and then let's also report because uh, the KMBZ Talk nine eighty. It's a very large uh, uh, reach here. So on the Missouri side of the state line to report elder abuse one eight hundred three nine two zero two one zero. That's one eight hundred three nine two zero two. One zero. Now, if you see an extreme situation where someone is in immediate jeopardy, just dial nine one one. You can do that. Um, just an, uh, another quick note: whenever you call someone, whether it's Adult Protective Service or your local police, uh, local police are always a good option for reporting a suspected crime. And make no mistake, physical abuse, neglect, and financial exploitation are crimes wherever you go. That is criminal. And that's that's right. When you choose to report that, it, it helps to gather as much information as you possibly can. Um, most people are going to be, any investigator or detective assigned to that case is going to be very cold. They don't know your family. They don't know the circumstances. So as much as you can articulate, including a timeline if you can, mm-hmm. it, it helps investigators. If you have access to financial records that are, indicative of financial exploitation, if you can make copies of those and provide those to either the Adult Protective Service or your local police department, that helps them immensely. Uh, And it also increases the probability that your case will be investigated sooner rather than later. And and if it's if it's a legitimate don't don't call with some frivolous uh, stuff of, you know, my sister won't give me my mom's, uh, you know, picture what this needs to be legitimate financial abuse uh, neglect uh, or or any type of of you know the the financial abuse the neglect and the and the physical abuse uh, but but again you can call your local police department or Maybe better if it's not an immediate jeopardy type of a situation. Again, contact the Kansas hotline number 800-922-5330. On the Missouri side, the Missouri hotline 800-392-0210. And, uh, Tom, you mentioned that you and your office, uh, the district attorney's office, there's a, there's a major push, push to get out and, and, and educate civic groups and police departments and, 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 and businesses and, and their, uh, you know, all of their uh, their staff, et cetera. Uh, so um, I, I guess if, if someone wants to reach out and say, you know what, our group would be really interested in one of these presentations, can they do that? You bet. Um, our office will present, uh, if you contact our white-collar hotline to the Johnson County District Attorney, it's 913-715-3140. Uh, if a person doesn't answer it, most of the time they do during business hours, but if they don't answer it, leave a message and someone will get back with you. And uh, I and several other investigators uh, routinely provide community awareness presentations. Uh, 
Another aspect of our efforts is training for local law enforcement. Uh And we've developed training topics that are specialized. They're not covered in other, almost, I haven't seen them anywhere else in the U.S., but we've identified the best way, what we feel is the best way to document uh, what's called undue influence. Mm -hmm. And that's where uh, a person gets involved with an elderly adult. They monopolize their time, their attention. And people that have impaired cognitive abilities that suffer from dementia, they're very susceptible to undue influence. And they will uh, pretty much follow whatever that person says. And and we're among one of the few jurisdictions that has a very structured program for identifying and documenting that. Uh, Also, in terms of documenting cognitive impairment. Um, So, yeah, yeah. Training and community awareness are two of the big efforts of the district attorney's office. Okay, and so if you want to uh, reach out to Tom and and the great team with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office and request one of these presentations and maybe some of the specialized training, 913-715-3140. And Tom, we only have about a minute, minute and a half left, but uh, you had mentioned uh, something that's really interesting, it sounds innovative, a multidisciplinary team as far to investigate elder abuse, um, eight years ago, uh, the district attorney implemented a financial what's called a financial abuse specialist team. Uh-huh. It's called a fast team, and what it does is it we've recruited medical volunteers, medical professionals, mm-hmm. primarily registered nurses and medical social workers, to help us work with medical records to document cognitive ability in terms of. Can someone consent to being financially exploited or to physical abuse or neglect? And so you're, you're going to be able to cut off someone who uh, may be requesting power of attorney over someone who is not capable of granting that. Well, a lot of times we find out after the after fact. After the fact, yeah. But, yeah. We can, but we can certainly isolate those instances where they did not have the capacity to consent to that. Uh, and, then, we also, and then take action. That's right. Yeah. Okay. In Johnson County... Uh, only Johnson County, I guess, we'd have, we have a elder law and trust attorney on our FAST team as well. Okay, good. To interpret trusts and other estate planning documents. Okay. All right. All right. Excellent. And then beware of the charitable scams and the sweepstakes lottery. And you had mentioned off air, we only have about 30 seconds, but if you fall for one of these things, then your name gets put on a list and passed around and someone had written 200 checks in one month because of these things. Yeah. If, if you fall for a charitable scam, um, your name's going to be sold to other people that solicit donations, whether oh. so, Mark, so, I need my, my blood pressure medicine again. <laughs> they, they can be legitimate or not legitimate, but you're, if you give money, your name is valuable. All right, Tom Gottschalk, investigator with the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. Tom, I could talk about this for several more hours. We may have to uh, uh, maybe uh, ask you for another hour or two of your time here in the near future, but thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. All right, and to everyone listening, I'm so honored you spent part of your day tuning into this program. Thank you so very much. I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.